for our Canadian lifters. Pure passion, real results, what you put in your body should matter. Pure Vita Labs PVL supplements are clean, tested, and approved. Powering athletes for over 25 years. They also power the KOTL podcast. You could trust PVL. Use code KOTL15 for partnership pricing at PVL.com. Six-pack lap it out. We got Calais Johansson, junior world champion. And we were just talking, my friend, about um, I was telling you about my day job and how I yeah. close one laptop, open up the other. And um, we're talking about you were you were saying, do people in your day job know? Because it has nothing to do with powerlifting. And mm. uh it I kind of like it like that. So so um <laughs> it just makes it. I don't know. It just segregates, you know, your, your fun and your work, right? Like powerlifting yeah, yeah, never yeah. gets stressful for me compared to my day job as a project manager, mm. account manager. So, um, and you're like, do, do people know? And I'm like, man, it's kind of like, sometimes you sit beside somebody or you talk to someone on a call and then they find out and they're like, if they Google you and they're like, holy shit. And you could find, um, we were talking about like, Can's got talent. America's got talent. I was on a reality mm. TV show for like a full season. Cameras following me around and stuff, and I'm like all over the place. Yeah, I mean, yeah, dude, like you're a pretty big deal in powerlifting. I mean, some people have has got to know who we are, right? I mean, it's so uh, well. First off, thank you, sir. But uh, second <laughs> off, like a lot of that happened before I even got into power. Like I was powerlifting, but it was before mm. before powerlifting became live streams and podcasts. So this. The TV okay. show stuff, it's weird. The TV show stuff would predate a lot of that. And then mm-hmm. I got into um, switch from doing all this television work to doing uh, podcasts, live streams, and um, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. And then, and that really blew up and took off because I got in at the right time. Man. Timing is everything in life, my friend. You know, yes, like, it is. I got in on the streaming commentary uh, before people knew who was the comment commentators and then um but but i was telling you about uh like i don't enough of me i was telling you about the one colleague though how interesting it is one time i was i was at we were talking about powerlifting and he had done a couple powerlifting competitions nothing major but it was what Mm. we had in common and then he told me about fucking ultra marathons he ran and um and i was telling you i was either it was either 100 kilometers or 100 miles he ran and um my he was he was so mild mannered he was so like not even getting into it not even saying much about it and then when he left the room our other colleague was like listen chris is never going to tell you but um that that race he ran his last lap 10 laps because they're lapping and it's it's a big mm-hmm. course but you're still lapping this thing runs on for like yeah. 20 hours 24 hours straight he's like his last 10 compared to the time of his first 10 laps, the difference was like so minute. And me and you were just talking before we came <laughs> on about how getting mentally strong you got to be. Like me and you could maybe complete this. I mean, if Not at the same pace, like every lap, it's, it's, it would it's be possible. Like, you, you might be able to run hundred kilometers if you had to, but the mental fortitude, every lap you fucking hold that pace mm. for 20 hours straight. You just hold, 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 and you refuse to lose pace. It's in its internal because like, you don't know. It must be yeah. internal because you don't know 
what's my pace right now? It, you can't like, maybe they do have watches now telling you your pace, but it's just fucking nuts for 20 hours straight. Yeah. But, but still, you, you still got to keep up the same pace for 20 fucking hours. It's like, that's a whole day. Dude, it's a day, dog. Dude, it's a, that, <laughs> a day is long. It's it's 20 hours or, or long. Yeah. Especially you, when you're running. Yeah, straight. It outside just and it's like not flat track terrain either. Dude, I if I'm if I just stay up for 20 hours straight, I'm tired. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be complaining. I'll be ah, oh, it was a long day. <laughs> this dude had yeah. like the mental fortitude, and and we we're kind of talking about how um this guy is so unassuming, so quiet, so like, uh, like he didn't even want to tell me about it, go deep into it. His boy had to, when he left the room mm. and like, it was, it's crazy how, how you would never assume when you met him, this guy's mental toughness is like a whole nother level of, mm. you know, I, I, I just couldn't relate. And you were like, is that, isn't that the case where like the quiet ones, Sometimes, but sometimes it's in, in the loud guy, the guy who's the loudest guy in the room, but mm. I don't know. I, I'm not sure because there's a case I mean, where it depends. I mean, I, I don't think it's like in every case, but mm. like in general, the most, like the, the most quiet guys are all, all like almost always the most humble and the most loudest guys are like maybe not as strong mentally because maybe they feel like they need to prove to other people that like they are the shit and the quiet guys most likely knows that i mean like i know where i have myself in general i mean yeah. there are some guys who are like loud and can just do it like, and like a muhammad ali type yeah exactly yeah. it's I, it's interesting it is true though that if you're in a room full of people like if you know where you're at in certain situations certain discussions and you know what you bring mm. to the table, you don't necessarily feel like flexing it or have to no. overly tout yourself. Whereas if you're a little insecure that people don't realize, you know, do you not know? And you need to tout it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's, I, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, if it comes up, then it comes up. I mean, I don't think you necessarily have to like shove it up in people's faces, but if they ask, I mean, then you can tell them. Do you, do you, do, do you go out on weekends wearing your gold medal from the world championship? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every weekend. Every weekend. You're at the grocery store be like, do I got to yeah, wait in yeah. line? Do I, do I still <laughs> wait in line or am I No, no. Here? I like, when I go grocery shopping, I use my Sweden singlet just to like. Of course. Show man, people, like, yeah, you, you got know, your full singlet. The shit, man. Your hands yeah, are yeah, chopped. Everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Belt, knee sleeves, everything. SPD kitted. You're like, let's get, let's yeah, do this. Yeah, they man. can't, should... they can't miss that I'm a power lifter. You know, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, well, how did, how did you end up? Well, first off, um, we seen you win the junior world championships. Uh, mm -hmm. your performance augmented even more so at the European Championships, adding on, but the most recent one at the Swedish Nationals. Uh, this yeah. was the 750. How many kilos? 754.5 okay yeah 754.5 and um it's so obviously as a junior you won the junior worlds and we all knew you had yeah. a lot of potential but now we're talking this is a total that's going to be competitive in the open as well like you're talking mm. your progress from the summertime to now I mean, you're making quick, fast gains. You're, you're close to 40 kilos on this total. Like yeah. if anyone was looking at your junior, this is, I've said this before, you know, when you, when you look at some juniors, the rate of adaptation 
oftentimes I'll be like, well, you never know. Maybe this person puts on 40 kilos by next year. And they're like 40 fucking kilos though. Aren't you being hyperbolic? (laughs) And I'm like, listen to me. I see juniors doing this and you're a 74. Like they're like 93s who are like 40 kilos is a smaller percentage jump. Mm. This happens, man. But your progress now, all of a sudden, you got guys like Taylor Atwood in your comments who are like, oh, yeah. Right. I mean, you know? dude, when I saw that he like commented on your repost, I was like, holy shit, this is happening. Well, you know, is, like that's the goat, you know? That's the fucking goat of goats, my man. You're a 74. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's you're, you're starting, you're popping up, man. You're popping up on people's, on people's radar. Um, yeah. What do you think this attributes to? What's going on here? I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure that it's a mindset thing because before, like af- after Worlds, I was like, oh, damn, I did a pretty good total. I hope that I can add like maybe 10 to 15 kilos the coming year uh, because, yeah, I I, did, I I think I set like limitations on myself before I even like reached a certain level. Uh, but in before Euros... Um, I had a pretty tough time with like mental struggles. I had a lot of stress going on, a lot of private issues. And I was like, before this competition, before the competition, it was like, damn, I got to show myself that like, I'm stronger than this. And I have to show myself and the other people like that. I don't have any limitations. And the only, the only way I can do that is on the platform. So I just pushed as hard as I possibly could in before Euros. And yeah, my I mean, my total was, I think I added like 14 kilos or something to my total from like Worlds to Euros, which is like, that was what I expected to do in a year. And I did it from like in two months time. Yeah, dude, it was like one more block. It's a training yeah. block. It <laughs> yeah, crazy. yeah, exactly. And... I mean, no lift was like max, max effort. I mean, every when I look back back at it, everything moved like RP eight to nine. Um, and after that competition, I realized that, man, I, I can't set any limitations what I, on what I can do. I mean, I'm limitless. Uh, and I've just gone on with that mind, mindset ever since uh, Euros. And I go into with that mindset every training session. Um, I go in with like, needing to show myself that you know i'm limitless i can do every like anything i put my mind to do um and yeah i think that's been a big attribute to my my success as a athlete and of course uh, i started working with uh, a dietitian as well which has made like training way more easier and cut, cutting way more easier as well you know I don't need to stress about oh will I make this weight class or will I like cut too much because I mean I have uh, this person in my corner and if you wonder who this is it's uh, Paige Myers. Ah, it's, there uh, it is. The, go- the, the goats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but she's been amazing. She's been amazing. So I got. I mean, there's a lot to unpack. Um, but you're you're looking at your videos and the highlights of that performance. You look mm. like. Like you, after all your third attempts, man, you were chest beating. Like you knew, you just knew, man, I'm, I'm lighting the stage on fire right now. This is my day. Yeah. This is a, this is you, you had the feeling it was a moment. Um, mm. Did you know this going into this Swedish nationals that 
I'm going to unpack something here. I mean, yes, because I believed in myself and I was like, I, I know I have the capabilities to do this. All I have to do is to put like the same type of mindset I do in my training and the same type of intensity, just do it on the platform. Uh, and I mean, that's easier said than done. It's pretty hard. Uh, you have to like be very mentally strong. Uh, but that's also a thing that I've been working on a lot. Um, I mean, I meditate twice a day. I do positive affirmations. I like, I try to control everything that I can control in my life and leave everything else up to fate. And I think that's a big reason for why I am so confident in my abilities on the platform, because I know that I've done everything that I possibly can. I want to talk about the meditation. I want to talk about the, the <laughs> affirmations, um, dive into the dieting, dive into you working with Joey Flex. Am I not mistaken? Yes, right? Joey Flex. Goat. You had um, a hard hitting caption that like got a lot of people's attention. And um, <clears throat> we got time to talk about all of them, man. It's a fascinating story. <laughs> and it's a, it's an inspiring story. And also to see how far you've come just from junior worlds to now, and then possibly yeah. the future and what that, what your future goals might be, because look at whether or not you put 40 kilos on your total or not. You do the math. If you're already at 754, yeah, it don't take a whole heck of a lot more to be like you and one or two other people left. You know what I mean? Like your, your no. gains are happening so quickly right now. So it kind of begs that question. Uh, but before we go into the future, maybe let's rally it back. So when did you start working with Joey Flex? Uh, April 2021. Uh, okay. I started working with him. And I mean, dude, He's, he's changed my life. I mean, everything with mindset, how I approach training, everything. I mean, he's a man. Is it, does he, in terms of mindset, does he give you the voice messages? And the, is, dude, he is famous for that. He gives them to me. I don't even, as, like, he is, he is famous for his yeah. voice messages and the whole, he's a hype man, but he also, um, he'll make you work. You, you know, the volume yeah. he gives, I've been, I, I've done his programming before. Mm. Oh, you have? Oh yeah. Back oh, in, really? dog, I've done a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, what I love with Joey is like, he's honest with me. I mean, if he says something is bad, he will tell me. He's not like just some hype man to like hype me up and not maybe give me the entire truth because if I'm slacking with something, he's going to tell me. And that makes like, that's a comforting feeling for me because when he tells me that I'm good, I know that I'm fucking good, you know, and that's a big booster. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, he's passionate, really passionate about what he's doing. Um, and yeah, I, I have nothing else but good to say to him. When you, when you decide to go with Joey, because yeah. obviously he's American based, um, mm. In Europe, because I know there's other Europeans with Joey. Uh, so, yeah. Sonita, 84 plus, uh, Samantha Eugenie from France. Mm -hmm. There is other, there's other Europeans getting some American coaches, but not quite as, it's not like the American market for the American coaches. No. There's more Europeans staying with European coaches and whatnot. What went mm -hmm. into your decision to do the Joey Flex route? I actually had a friend from my club who was coached by Mikey at the time. And I like from when he started with Mikey to like just two months in, I mean, he was, he was making staggering progress. It was like Mikey, who's sorry, 
Michael Davis. Okay, I thought so. I just wanted to make sure. Oh, uh, but yeah. So I was, and I I knew like who Joey was before, but I yeah I just saw how he how fast he progressed and how like good his technique got, and I was very intrigued. So I I sent out like an application form to uh, Flex Training Systems. And I, at first, I just assumed that, oh, yeah, I'll probably get, like, hopefully I get, like, Mikey or someone. Uh, I mean, he seems to do a good job. And then Joey actually, like, messaged me directly and was like, oh, I mean, we can start working hand-in-hand if you want to. And I was like, dude, this isn't happening. This isn't happening. That was, ah, that was an unreal feeling. But, yeah, so I actually, uh, that, that's how I started working with him. Um, because he has um, yeah, he's got a crew of people that he often that that people were like Enna actually Enna Haro the eighty three um mm. is also under the flex banner working with uh, William Squats right yeah yeah exactly so you never know who you're gonna get when you reach out no. sometimes it's Joe but you got Joey directly and now you're like okay now 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 I'm on but there is a little was there pressure due to because Joey's working with you yeah definitely it was like. I'm I'm working with the best coach in the world. I I mean I have to perform now, right? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I've I've learned a lot during uh, these uh, these years. Uh, it was definitely not easy in the beginning, and but yeah, it's been a very a big learning experience. The workload is pretty nuts, though. That's what I remember when uh, my years back when I was working with Joey. But everybody mm. works. Here's the thing. Like, this day and age, I mean, how long are your training sessions? And how many days a week do you train? I mean, my training load isn't that big, That uh, like 474. I mean, I squat once a week. I, I deadlift once a week. What? Oh, my God, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um I, we actually started doing that ever since I I had a disc injury in before like a year ago, like a little more than a year ago. And uh, when we were going back from the disc injury, we just started squatting once a week, and I responded greatly to that. And before, when I was squatting like twice a week, I was just getting very, very fatigued, and I wasn't like making that much progress. But now it's like I'm making crazy progress Dude, just by squatting is- once a week. This is what everybody wants to hear. Yeah. <laughs> hey, do less. Do, you're working yeah, too hard. <laughs> more isn't always better. I mean, this is true. yeah, you should work hard, but you've got to know when to pull back and you don't always have to like push your limits. I mean, you could just like stay in the pocket for a couple of months and you're going to make crazy progress. Isn't that freaking fascinating, man? Especially for a 74. Yeah. You're training like you're Jesus Oliveras. <laughs> i mean yeah i mean maybe it's a bit stronger than me but basically yeah but yeah that's crazy that's very how often do you bench press uh i do bench three times a week okay uh but the, the what i've noticed is that i can push my sessions a bit harder since i only do squats and deads once a week so i have the time to recover in before next session if i so like maybe if i like overshoot a set or two but usually i stay in the pocket uh, did anything yeah. change between like programming wise from when you first started to now that led to these massive jumps or is it just over time how do you mean 
like um, in terms of the programming, well, you had said like up until you had that injury, after the injury, yeah. you did far less volume. Up yeah. until there, were you doing far more volume? Was it a, was it a drastic change or? I mean, I, I I made pretty good progress when squatting twice a week, but not as near as much as now. But I think the big attributor to my like my recent gains has been the diet thing. Oh, okay. So let's talk about that then. Well, previously, what were you what were you eating like? Were you tracking or you just? Yeah, I was tracking, but I was like way under on what I was supposed to do. My fats were like, I think they were like twenty or thirty grams or something. Oh my, something dude. crazy. Yeah, and I it was affecting my hormones. Meal. Yeah, what? yeah, it was. I was basically like doing egg whites, tuna, and just chicken breasts and plain rice. That was oh it. My. So, how, do you know yeah. how many calories? How many calories were you eating? I was like barely over 2000, maybe sometimes maybe under even four comps. Oh, wow. So yeah. you were I want to pull up your, I got, I got your weights here. The, yeah. So you were bigger, you know, it's interesting because when you were 17 year old sub junior, you weighed in at 76.7. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you were a uh, 77.3. So you've actually gotten lighter, but you're eating more, I guess. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I didn't track back then, though. Okay. I think I was like eating more then, uh, because back then I was, I was starting in the eighty threes, and I was thinking about like, oh, I gotta just gotta fill out this weight class. So I was was just trying to like eat as much as possible, but I couldn't really gain weight. Mm. So I was like, well, let's just go down a weight class then, because I was way more competitive there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So- but yeah, my so. Basically, I, I wanted to be like as close to my weight class as possible because I didn't really know how to cut. Uh, because beforehand, when I was like a bit heavier, maybe around like 76, uh, my cuts were always affecting my performance. So I was thinking like, oh, well, I can't be that far away from the weight class then. Then I just got to be like around maybe 74, 75 all the time. Mm. Um but now I can be way heavier and do a bit more aggressive uh, cuts, uh, and it's not affecting me at all. It, I mean, you had slightly touched up on, but it does affect your hormones when you don't get fat yeah. in, in your in your. Oh diet. yeah, definitely. I mean, because I, I've sorry, go ahead. No, because I've had like uh, a lot of issues with like eating disorders and stuff, and I think that's where the problem stems from, because I was like. I was so low in fats, and when I and when I had like the fats I wanted to have, it was like, oh damn, no, no, I I'm like way over in fats now, and I'm gonna get like fat, and now uh, I'm gonna weigh too much, and yeah, it was like a big stressor. Is is like counting calories? Does it weigh? Does it augment any kind of? you know, uh, body dysmorphia or eating disorder, or does it give control to take away emotion and it's just data. So, you know, like, no, I know for a fact I can eat more. Like, is it, mm. how does, how does it work? Cause it can, some people have mixed emotions on it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it totally depends on who you're asking and what right. background they have. Uh, before, uh, like before I started working with Paige, I think it definitely was like a bigger of a stressor rather than like a comforting thing for me. 
because I didn't really know what I was doing, right? So I was like, oh, is this going to work? And am I really like on the right amount of calories? Should I be lower? Should I be higher? Is the protein right? Is carbs right? Because the, the only thing I was like prioritizing at the time was basically carbs and protein. Oh, wow. uh, yeah. But now since I'm working with Paige, I sort of can like let that go because I, I know that she knows what she's doing. So now it's like, oh, I just got to do what she says, tells me to do and I'm going to be fine. It, there's something to the point of um, letting go of the wheel. You're in the car, mm -hmm. you're driving, and you could just be like, take the wheel and drive for me. Yeah. I'm just Especially where there's a better driver, right? If, if Well, that doesn't, that doesn't hurt. <laughs> that doesn't hurt, right? To give it to a better driver. Yeah, exactly. You're like, listen, I think I've been drinking. Okay, I shouldn't be driving right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? I'm making some crazy decisions right now. Yeah. But, uh, but I think but I think when you reach this level, you have to like let people in your life who can like take control of certain things that you might not have the best uh, information at, if you know what I mean. Mm. Uh, because I mean, you can't be the best at everything. I mean, I'm good at training. I'm good at like mindset training, but program, I mean, Joe is better than me at programming. I mean, he's a really good coach and Paige is better than me at nutrition. So why not like bring these people into my life and make my training better. And in the, like at the same time, make my life stretches less. I am and this is not just for, for sports, but just like often in life, sports are like a, a can be like a metaphor for life. But I've mm. noticed with everything from whether it's King of Lifts or other projects that I've ever been a part of, bringing people in and having a team around you, you expand and grow so much quicker. Oh and yeah. When you when you try to, at certain points in my life, when it starts out, a project is just you. You will carry it as long as you can and hang on to just you because you have total control mm. you take all the praise if it works it's yeah. uh you know it's it's just yours it's your baby but mm. they'll come to a point where you're going to be you will also be the biggest roadblock in terms of its growth or how far it's going to get and if you yeah. can't wrap your head around that fact and just pull back and be like i need to bring people in on this team mm. you know experts in their field and you could delegate certain workloads and just let go and be like i'm bringing my piece but I have other yeah. people that need to bring their pieces. It's a huge yeah. part in life, period. Yeah, I mean, you can't control everything. That's it's like you will burn out eventually if you try to yeah. do that. And you won't grow as much because when you let people in, you will learn more and you will be better. And like 100%, you're going to learn a lot more and they have expertise and everyone brings something to the table. But I'll tell you a Joey Flex story. When he was coaching me, I had a water cut and at some point yeah. uh, at the time, I, I don't know how I, I fumbled the bag with this water cut, fumbled the ball yeah. with it. And um, I was way over and I'm like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. And Joey Flex um, hopped in the DMs, giving the voice messages and <laughs> it, the, the world famous voice message. This is going back years now. And um, if it was just me. And it's only me, you would be like panicking because when whenever crisis mode comes and you're by yourself, that's a fucking shitty feeling, dog. Yeah. You know, anxiety it's, comes. It's a tough feeling. Yeah. Period. Not just like, again, not just with sports, but life in general. But when you have a team around you, just like not just sports, but life in general, you got support team, it's different. With Joey, 
when I hit the phone and opened up the messages and it wasn't just written messages. Now, Joey normally probably get a voicemail anyways, but the fact mm. it was a voice though was way more convincing though. And this could yeah. be coincidence or because Joey likes doing voice messages anyways, or maybe Joey knew I better, he better hear my voice. And he was like, it's okay. Relax. He's like, I've been here before. I've been here with John Hack. I've been here with any name. He's like, seen the exact same scenario. Here's what we're going to yeah. do. And he's like, get the bath, start get heating it up. And he's like, check in. And all, and all of a sudden you're like, I'm in this with somebody else. It mm, was the shit. It was the shittiest cut, my man. But I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm alone in the bathroom doing this, but I'm kind of not alone in the bathroom doing this. It alleviated so much stress. I can't even tell you. Um, portals all levels start coming back down. And you're like, all right. But if you were like alone on this, man, when crisis. Oh, ends, that would be horrible. Oh, dude, it's be... just you. Even I know people like Jess. Um, she works with Eric Helms and mm. they have like a, a collaborative effort in terms of doing her program. She has a lot of input on it. And um, and I'm sure at times like someone could be like, well, why don't you just take over? But if you're writing so much, if you have so much input on your own, it's like, there's a, there's way more of a difference than you think, you know, and Eric Helms is like a, as a, you know, he's got a, a doctor and he's you know, old, mm. like, he's worked with world champions as well. Having that person be like, even if they're reviewing your program and then adding certain elements, it's not just that it's, if certain things go off the rails during you hop on the call and you're talking. It, it, fuck, it's not, it can't be understated how big that is. You know, yeah, it's huge. It, it's huge. Man. The, feel, the feeling of having someone in your corner, it's like, it's priceless. It's priceless. You, you need to have that if you're going to reach the top. I mean, you can't do it alone. You need people in your corner. This is like, um, I just was talking to uh, Gavin Aiden in the DMs. I, I shot him a DM and I was like, yeah. um, and he's like, I want to start a podcast. And he's like, um, and he's telling me about it. Wait, is he starting a podcast? He's a, uh, oh shit. Is this an announcement I just made? I don't know. He's thinking about <laughs> it. Let's say this. Let's say this. He's thinking about it. That's awesome. It's amazing, dude. He's such a, a good speaker, motivational guy, positive dude. And um, I fucking love having him on the podcast. He'll crush whatever avenue he goes into, right? He's that personality. Um, I mean, he seems so driven as well. I mean. He's doing yeah. a lot for his sport. Yeah, for sure, man. I love the kid. And uh, so I shot him back and I'm like, um, I gave him that story that like the, a story, but essentially it's like, um, do whatever you need. Let me know. We're a team. We, if you got a solid team around you, you're going to eat together. But if yeah. you start being that guy, who's like, I got to do this myself or like, it's the famine mentality. There's not enough food out there. So I don't want you to have a podcast. I already got a podcast. What, mm. what does this mean? What is this? You start thinking like that. You, you, you know what I mean? Like you're not going to get ahead. You want, no. you, you want a team around you. You want everybody doing well. All your friends doing well. The strong as they are, strong as your team is, strong as you are. You know what I mean? Like you, you all, you all help each other. And now you're, you're far better off with a strong yeah. team around you celebrate your friends victories and be like, yes, get keep, keep pushing. And, and 
they'll motivate you and you'll motivate them. And, and when you need them and they, you, you need them and they need you, whatever, vice versa, different times you're there for each other. It's huge, man. It's huge. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. It, it can't be understated. Man. That's, that's something that I learned. Uh, so when you got your dietitian on board page, mm. what, what now, like how many calories are you up to now? Uh, I'm at 2,600 right now. Oh, shoot. That's not bad. That's yeah, not I mean, bad, I'm feeling man. good. You, 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 you're eating well. You actually, yeah, eat I'm more. eating good, man. You, <laughs> look at you all <laughs> smiles. That's the smiles of a man who's eating well. Yeah. <laughs> what's your, what's your fats at right now? It's around 50 to 60 grams, I think. Some, t- some days it's higher, some days it's the, like just around there. Uh, it all depends, but yeah, somewhere between now, nah, mate, I, I'd rather, I'd say maybe between 50 and 70, somewhere there. 15, 70. Yeah, I think so. It makes, um, well, first off, like I, I, when I, when I find out people are on like counting calories, I like to ask just to get a barometer and you're eating more in some 83s. I know. Oh, so really? You know, yeah. Yeah. You'd be surprised. Man. Some of the fellas I had on that are 83s aren't, you know, it's weird how the metabolism works. Man. It's weird how yeah. it works. And, um, Dude, I've 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 heard about like 105s, like doing 2,500, and that sounds like, dude, are you are you eating less than me? And you're like at 105 kilos. How is that even possible? It it, it changes. I mean, it's good and it's bad. You have people who are eating like less than you, who are like a little bit fluffy, and you're like, shit, yeah. it's gonna be hard for you to ever be ripped maybe it's not even in the cards not sustainably anyways or on the flip side there'll be people who are big huge jacked and you think they'd eat a lot more and you're eating the same as them and Mm. you realize okay well i'm working out like crazy and i'm eating as much as you maybe i'm never going to be as big as you either like as jacked or whatever we all want a little bit more when it comes to these goals but um that's where genetics comes in however you know, Lane Norton talks about it as well. Like, you don't know the upper upper limits of your genetic potential. So you just eat as much as you can and slowly increase, lift as much as you can and, and just maximize what you can. And only mm-hmm. then, like, sometimes you can be surprised what can happen over time. Um, do you do a lot of accessories, actually? Uh, I mean, not like... Um an overly big amount. I mean, I think I average around two to three accessories per, uh, per session. Uh, and sometimes during my off season, I add a bit like extra bodybuilding work just for, I mean, for the volume's sake. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, nothing more than that. Cause if you're only squatting once a week and deading once a week, like I was wondering if like, how long are those sessions? I think I average around two to two and a half hours. Not like not over two and a half. Wow, man. This is actually freaking fascinating that this is that this is the case. I mean, the calories are big. The calories are pretty mm. big. I mean, it, it is what it is, right? You're recovering quickly. It's yeah. obviously working. You made fast gains. Um, and how often do you do singles? Uh, I do one single a week for uh, like every lift. So yeah, okay. three singles a week. You do these, so you do singles often too. Mm, yeah. It's, uh, Interesting. 
but I think that's always also like a contributor to like my progress because I'm more comfortable with being under like heavier loads, uh, and I think that's a big stress stress reliever for me. Yeah, just because it doesn't freak you out, you don't get it. You don't get it. Yeah, anxious. exactly. It's like, oh, I, I I know I got this. Like I've I've done this like a million times. So yeah. Did you get performance anxiety related to sports or 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 period? And n- not as much uh, anymore. Uh, beforehand, that was a, like a big problem for me when I started powerlifting. I remember doing my first open nationals. Uh, I actually threw up four times because of my nerves the day, the night before, uh, and couldn't like sleep anything. And yeah, I was just having these super high expectations on myself. And I was at the same time, not believing in myself that I was able to pull this off. Uh, so yeah, it was like a big concussion concoction of just stress and anxiety. Uh, but after that competition, I realized that like the mindset training is something I have to s- start prioritizing uh, because after that comp, I, I, I felt that I never want to feel this feeling again. I have to be better. And slowly but surely, I became better each competition. And now, I, I mean, I still feel some type of nerves, but I think it's a good, good type of nerves uh, because, I mean, I really care about this. I want to perform at my uh, highest possible level and to that comes a bit of nerves but i've become way better at handling them and i actually see it like as a a good sign that you know i care have you seen somebody like a sports psychologist or just period to aid you with like perspective and dealing with anxiety uh no, not a sports psychologist, but before, uh, uh, like, I think it was 2020, I had uh, a lot of issues with depression and anxiety. I mean, that's a bit, that's been a big uh, part of my, like, adolescence. But during 2020, it was, like, very, very bad. I had a lot of issues with, like, suicidal thoughts and anxiety every day. And I was, like, away from school because I, I couldn't handle all the like panic attacks I was having at school. So I had to reach out to a psychologist and uh, yeah, after a while she, uh, she told me about meditation and mindfulness training. And ever since then I've been doing it pretty consistently. Uh, but yeah, the last year, I think it's been like, it's has become a, a big part of my, uh, how do you call it? Uh, of of my day, I like I do it twice a day now, each and every day. I don't skip and like any day now. Um, uh, I I mean because before, I could probably do I did like in more in like periods when I felt like I needed it, mm-hmm. but I've also come to realize that I mean even when I have those periods when I feel good, I still need to keep it up because you never know when those low periods hits, and then mm-hmm. you have to be pre- like prepared. I've actually had uh, like many people come on the podcast and talk about this. Uh, I mean, it's super common, obviously, but um, like Screamer Manuel would talk about just that. How how mm. when it's going good, you realize it's like it's like waves coming in. Every yeah. wave could be different. You caught a good wave, good, but it won't stay the good wave. And to maintain, no. it's a maintenance thing because just when you get a little too comfortable, 
a bad wave can come. And, um, and he said, sometimes you feel everyone, every, like I've, I've felt anxiety. Everyone's gone through like periods and seasons, but it's, it's different, you know, um, if it gets very intense, but if you've, I've gone through periods where I felt anxiety and it's anxiety is like the worst anxiety is like the fucking worst feeling. I'd rather feel pain than anxiety. Like when you're, it's absolutely fucking horrible. It robs you of, uh, like hunger, food sleep but also enjoyment when you have anxiety like anxiety anxiety not like um i'm a little anxious about this i mean for really real anxiety you aren't present at all you're not present for any of these moments it's all you could think about it's all encompassing um so when people like look on the bright side this that or the other it's it's very difficult for someone to understand unless they unless they have moments that are brought on in their life that bring that um, but they won't understand if it just comes like a wave without a moment that brought it and you don't know why it came. That's where mm. people don't, it's like, okay, well just, if you don't understand that piece, don't try to understand that piece, but understand this. Have you ever felt anxiety? Some people will get that wave come into their lives and it doesn't fucking leave for weeks maybe. And it doesn't diminish. And it's like, next time you feel anxious, hold on to that feeling for fucking weeks and mm. tell me where you're at come week three or four or five and how you're at tell me how you you're it's a torture it's a fucking dude it's torture. like you're it's like you're stuck in this haze of just pain and agony all of the time and all you want to do is like just end it mm. and i i think that's a big reason for maybe people having suicidal thoughts that was the case for me at least because I never really wanted to die. I just wanted to, you know, escape the pain. And death felt like the only, like, valuable option because I didn't know how to escape it. Yeah, it, it's um, yeah, like that's well said. It's like a, it's like a fucking reset button. Like yeah. this went, this went awry, and I can't. Uh, how do I make this end real quick? Yeah, I know what you mean. Where it's like, no, it's not that life is shitty. I just, I can't get out of this day after day anxiety moment friggin um tyson are you familiar with tyson, the tyson fury story kind of okay he he's the heavyweight champion of the world obviously and yeah. um, he talked about how i mean it, it's fascinating how we know so little about our minds and mental health in general and what mm-hmm. we think about um, and, and the stigmas wrapped around it. And that's why like you're a brave guy just like coming on talking about it's very difficult. And Tyson Fury said, you know, it's he's the heavyweight champion of the world. And he came back from massive anxiety and depression issues, um, mm-hmm. incredibly suicidal, bloomed up to severely overweight substance abuse because he would drink and it would alleviate the feelings of anxiety but yeah. you wake up the next day and woof, anxiety's right back. So he would drink to take it back down again. Obviously, that's impacting his life on several levels. And then um, at some point, it was like, like he's like, I'm exactly this. I, I need to end this. I'm going to end this. He's married with children mm. and he's going to still end this. And then he started his comeback. And um, his driving force was having a mission, having something that he's coming back for and the training and every and all the dedication. And then when he fought for the title on his comeback, and when he announced his comeback, the guy who was holding the belts, Deontay Wilder, was like, 
didn't know all of what goes on with mental health. So when they saw pictures of Tyson Fury, what he became, he was like so overweight and he was mocking him, making fun of him. Like, look what this mm. guy turned into. And not totally knowing, just kind of callous to it. Not like, you know, he didn't know any yeah. better, right? No. Um, not knowing, like, you would never make fun of someone if they're like dealing with what we're talking about. And Tyson no. Fury said, like, I'm going to remember this. I'll remember that. So when they fought at some point, Deontay Wilder knocked down Tyson Fury. And I mean, Deontay Wilder had a 95% knockout ratio. It was, I mean, he brutal one shot, put Tyson Fury on his back with the same punch that finishes everybody. Nobody has ever got up. Nobody. Mm. And Tyson Fury hit the canvas like he was shot dead. And then the miracle happened. And you see him, you see his head get up, then his yeah. upper body, and he rose. And everyone's like, and there's a memes of Deontay Wilder's face. It's like the, the Undertaker meme, right? That's the you've seen the meme. Yeah. It was the other <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, I've seen it. And and um it's a famous meme. And then the quote that Tyson Fury gave was like, I had to get up. Because everyone watching who's dealing with mental health, people will tell you, like, you're mentally weak, you're this, you're that. And it's like, it's not yeah. that. We're strong. We face more than than most. And he's like, I had to show everybody I'm not fucking weak. Yeah. I'm not weak. That, that's exactly how I feel in before every competition because I've heard that so many times during my, when I grew up, like from people that was close to me but didn't like really understand mental health. But like, yeah, I was told that I was weak, that I wasn't really depressed. I was just like a soft millennial kid who didn't like understand how life was. And I mean, when you when you hear that like enough times, you start to believe it. Mm. and yeah each time i step on the platform i just need to prove to myself that i'm no longer that kid who like thinks that about himself i'm no longer that kid who's like ashamed over himself or like ashamed over how he looks or how he acts in front of people i mean he's he's become stronger he's like proud of what he's accomplished and this that's also a moment for me to prove to other people that i mean it doesn't matter how 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 down in life you are or how dark of a place you reached, you can always reach a better place if you just put your mind to it and realize that, I mean, nothing's impossible. You, you can reach anything you want as long as you just are strong enough, have the patience and just have the belief. It, it, it can turn around. It yeah. can turn around, but you got to hang in there. You got to hang yeah. in there. It's, it's, um, you mentioned like the S word, shame. That's a fucking tough one, man. Yeah. Shame is the one is. that, that, uh, when, when you feel shame, like, or, or someone makes you feel like words it in a way, a shameful way, like, fuck man, it's, it's true. Like you hear this, um, but whether it's in a job setting and you can't show up for whatever reason. And it's the first thing people go to is like, it, they'll shame you or, yeah. you know, it's, it's tough. You, you feel it, man. If someone gives you, if someone shames you for, for whatever, like it makes you feel weak and you feel shame about it. That's a shame is such a shitty feeling to try to bounce back from. That's yeah. where you, and you, that's what kind of motivates you to try to make a point as well. You had said that like, so how long do you think you were dealing with this? And you said like shame and how you look shame and how you feel or how, how you present yourself around people. Is this the way you felt for quite some time? Like as a child even, or. I mean, I think I felt that like during during my whole, uh, what do you say, 
uh, adolescence. Uh, yeah, ever since yeah, my whole adolescence. Uh, and I think to some to some degree that kid is still there, but he's not like he's not controlling anymore. But I mean, I still hear his voice sometimes. Um, but yeah, that was. I mean, I would say I would. I had that problem for like maybe from. 13 to 20, 21. Uh, so it's only been like as of recent that I have actually become comfortable in my own skin. Um, and I think it's important to show to people that, I mean, it may take time and these shitty feelings will probably bounce back. Um, but I mean, you, you can recover from it as, as long as you have the patience. It's like you develop coping mechanisms too. Like, you know, just like with powerlifting, yeah. you know, surround yourself with the right people, man. You know what mm. I mean? Like, like yeah. when things get shitty, you need the right people around you. Definitely. That's huge. It, 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 and the more you move on in life, you start running into people who understand as well. Sometimes mm. people don't understand initially. And you start meeting people and, and, and talking like you are right now. And some people will see you and be like, so you might even get DMs from people who are like, hey, um, I'm kind of going through a tough point right now. Mm. And it'll, this happens when people come on the podcast because it is international and there's going to be thousands of downloads. Yeah. Sometimes people share and the afterwards they'll start getting DMs from people, people reaching out. It's That's the good part about social media. And yeah. what you couldn't say to somebody's face um because maybe you feel shame or you feel like it makes, it's just awkward. You could shoot them yeah. a message and be like, Hey man, um, you guys spoke about this and I'm kind of in a, I'm in a rough spot right now. People have done mm. it like to like the KOTL account. Uh, you know, you, they just hear you talk about things enough, but yeah. um, it's, it's, it's big, man. Especially when you come on a podcast like this, because some people like before this generation, it wasn't talked about, man. You know, when they say, like you said, oh, you're just a soft millennial kid. Yeah. You're, you're telling me people didn't have depression, anxiety previously. They just couldn't talk to nobody about it. Like how many alcoholics were from previous generations that yeah. were self-medicating? Yeah. I mean, they probably just would, didn't know what they were going through. Like, uh, they, I, I think they didn't, I mean, they probably didn't label it as depression or right. anxiety. Right. Yeah. 100%. It, did some of this, when you ended up, like, how did you find weightlifting? Was this like too, yeah. Um, do you mean powerlifting or just like well, overall strength training? You know what? I'm interested in, I'm interested in both. I don't know if you found weightlifting first, but the reason why I, you might've found weightlifting initially because you felt mm. certain ways about your body, yourself, yeah. and it helps confidence. And then after the fact found powerlifting, or maybe you found powerlifting first, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. So I found like regular strength training first. Uh, I began strength training when I was like 14, I think. Uh, and the reason I began strength training was, uh, maybe like as most of kids, uh, I was the smallest in my class. Um, I was pretty insecure about how I looked. So I figured that, oh, well, I got to do something about it. And the more I did it, the more I realized that, damn, this is a pretty good coping mechanism to handle like all these thoughts I'm going through uh, and after like 
three years, I think, I began to uh, find more interest in like lifting heavy weights because I noticed pretty like uh, early uh, with my strength training that I was always a little, little bit stronger than most of my friends. So I just kept on like lifting heavy weights and I became stronger and stronger. And then I realized that, oh, I can compete in this. Uh, so I reached out to my closest powerlifting club, uh, did like powerlifting training for maybe three months. It did my first competition. And, uh, ever since then I was like, I, I'm going to be the best in this fucking world. And it's, <laughs> there's like, there's like nothing else to it. Uh, and I think that's also what kept my hope up with life because I finally, finally found a purpose, you know? To become like the strongest from from being it sounds cliche but you know from being the weakest to the strongest i mean it's a p- pretty pretty cool comeback story you know uh, <laughs> to say the least my friend but yeah i mean and i mean it, it wasn't like oh i found powerlifting now life is great i mean i still had struggled with suicidal thoughts still struggle with self-harm um uh, but those things um uh, became less and less as uh, and the powerlifting thing just grew more and more uh and yeah now i'm here well i mean he, here's there's something okay so and we can get into like the meditation etc and what powerlifting is yeah. giving you as well but there's something to be said for if you're lost mm-hmm. a the weight training will take up some time of your day to keep you to keep you busy that's that's big. And then B, if you whatever thoughts you have on your mind, if you have a few hundred pounds on your back, kilos, you're European, you're ever so present. Like whatever yeah. you thought when you're alone in your room and you're beating yourself up, um, mm. when you have 250 kilos on your back, you're not thinking about anything else. Okay. You throw no. 200 kilos on your back, your mind is blank and you are present. And you, you wouldn't have known it at the time, but you know, the, the hardest part about meditation is clearing your mind is trying yeah. to actually not just sit there and think about like, you're always thinking about it in your room is just clear your mind. And, um, it's oftentimes people gravitate towards weightlifting without knowing it. They're forcing meditation on themselves. They're forcing themselves to be present several times a day through chunks of the day. And then at the same time exertion. So they're actually getting the angst out. And, and exerting this so they feel up uh, as serotonin levels rise and uh, the exertion of the angst. And then they force themselves to meditate several times through those sets. And then they're like, oh shit, mm. that felt good. Well, scientifically, yeah, there's a lot of good reason <laughs> to it, you know, as yeah. well as, as well as even unscientifically, just the mental aspect of it that isn't necessarily measurable is the fact that you now have routine and structure in your life where previously you might not have. You have direction. You see self-improvement where previously you might not have. And you mm. actually see change in your body and how you look. And and it's a lot of positive with it that um, people might not, you might not know. Like, so it it's a common enough story that people found the gym and all of a sudden it's like, like you said, it, it sounds cliche, but there's reasons why these things become cliche. Yeah, you know what I mean. There's a reason. <laughs> it's a pattern, man. Um, yeah. And in in like you said, there isn't there isn't a cure. 
it's like you're cured, but you found more coping. You know, the, the bouts still come and it's not like, oh my God, I'm never going to be depressed again. No, no, but fuck is it, was it way better that you found weightlifting and powerlifting? Yeah. Like, and you, you get a reason, like you find a reason to live as well, because I mean, you probably, you just, I mean, you probably just don't go to the gym without any goals like, oh, I'm going to go and work out and have like a good time. I mean, after a while you realize that, oh, I, I want to reach this level. I want to reach this level. I want to do this and that. And all of a sudden, that hopelessness you feel becomes less because you have found a reason. Yeah, uh, <laughs> one of the biggest things is um, in life is just like waking up and having having some goals, having some passion, yeah. having something you're working towards. You need something. When you yeah. don't have when you don't have something, that's when things get dicey. Mm. I don't, I don't really relate to people who don't have something on the go, who aren't, who don't have like, I have a day job. Like people ask me like, how do you have a day job, uh, unrelated to powerlifting? And then you've got like the podcast and you're flying around the world doing commentary. And I got all these other side projects as well that aren't necessarily directly mm. powerlifting related. And I'm like, how do you not? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> like, like, you don't, will you just sit around and watch TV? I'm like, I, like I'll watch TV too. Don't get me wrong, but like, I need something, man. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so fulfilling, you know, reaching a certain goal that you've set for yourself. That like, it's maybe so big in the beginning when you first like uh, envision it that it kind of scares you, and then all of a sudden, oh, I've I've done this and this. It's like so fulfilling, and it makes you feel like you're on top of the world even doubling back to the conversation we had at the very beginning about that guy who's super quiet for my work. Yeah. And, um, you would never assume he'd be able to dig deep like that. You don't fucking know what his background is, what's going on in his head. You might openly challenge him to something like mentally tough. He's a quiet fucking guy in the background and he's a small, mm -hmm. quiet dude who's very humble and unassuming. And you might think like push comes to shove. We're both going to dig deep. I'll dig deeper. It's like, you have mm -hmm. no idea how much he might need this. You don't want to fucking push the shove with that no. guy. <laughs> you know what I you mean? Like know. he, he <laughs> needs this. Like he will dig until every part of his body falls to pieces. He will not drop that fucking pace. Mm -hmm. His body will fall to pieces before he drops that fucking pace. Cause he needs this. And you fucking picked on the wrong kid to, to, to challenge on that challenge. It's like, you want bragging rights for him. It's his fucking life. Like he has set his mind to it. The mind's a beautiful thing like that, right? Like it's um the same thing that makes you hurt can be the same thing that he's like, we're going to, we'll do whatever it takes. Yeah. I'm as all in as all in gets. And, and you don't want what I'm going for because he won't do what I'm willing to do. <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy. Pain it's a great motivator. Pain is a great motivator. Isn't it though? Isn't it though? Um, and that's kind of what, uh, you know, Tyson Fury often talks about too. It's like the same mind. Uh, I don't know, man. It's, it's, you know, Penna was on this, on the podcast and he talked about at times mm. where he's like, I feel like powerlifting is a way of expressing myself. He's, it's almost like, a, and I see Sophia Ellis actually is on it as well. And, and Penna had, had, um, you know, was way smaller. Like he was mm. like extremely small. Now he's very muscular. Sophia Ellis yeah. dealt with 
um, dealt with eating disorders to a point where she was hospitalized, almost died. Um, she had been sexually assaulted the whole nine. It's just yeah. a dark past. And, um, and, and they talked about how like through sport, they're, they're not artists with paint or music, but through sport, they can express themselves and be like, yeah. let me show you what I'm made of. Let me show you what I've been working on for the past three months. Let me show you. And when Penn is like, when you see me fight for those reps and, and do those 10 second grinds, like that's me expressing myself. Let, allow me yeah. my moment. You know, it's a beautiful thing sometimes when you see that in sport. That's all what it's about. I mean, yeah, medals and records. Yeah, that's that's cool and all. But I mean, for me, it's all about showing to myself who I, who I, can, be, who I can become and who I am. And showing to other people as well. I mean, that's that's the beauty, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like a it's a story that's unfolding, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> when you started powerlifting, who was it that was there? Somebody that you started looking up to when you first got involved? Uh, yeah. So um, I the way I found powerlifting was actually through a YouTube video of of. Uh, Isabella von Weisenberg, if you know who that is. Yeah. Yeah. So, and because I, I knew what powerlifting power was before, but the only the only thing I saw powerlifting was like, you know, Mark Bell and those other guys. I, I thought that you had to like live in the United States, go on steroids and stuff to like even do powerlifting. And then all of a sudden I see Isabella, who was like a world champion, natural, uh and yeah i i thought i thought she was so cool and i was like i, I want to become like that one day uh so that was yeah the first initial thing that got me into powerlifting yeah and then um, yeah i i also watched like oh, russell Warhe and stuff and yeah i mean isabella von weiser isabella von weisenberg for anyone listening in 2019 when sweden hosted the world championships I remember because I've been commentating since 2016 and coming into Sweden mm. and we were passing by bus stops and she was on posters up on bus stops around yeah. or when we got to the venue, there was like a fucking 30 to 40 foot massive mural of Isabella von Weisenberg barbell in hand. Like it was, it was crazy. And she had like, sponsors from you know companies in sweden but not like even just powerlifting gear or equipment like mainstream sponsors from companies mm. that were like backing Yvilla, isabella von weisenberg at one and this is obviously around the point that you would have been getting into powerlifting and gaining steam on it um and you know time passes and people around the world might not have known the impact of isabella von weisenberg at that time but she mm. was she was big she was breaking world records yeah and and getting a lot of attention. I remember having her on the podcast several times uh, around that point. Um, yeah, she, you know, people help popularize a sport in certain regions, you know, like Brett Gibbs do that, did that for New Zealand. And now New Zealand's got plenty of people, but you sometimes mm. need someone to go first. So other people yeah. around that region who would have, who would have been, you know, athletes in that particular sport need to know especially if it's a niche sport they need to even know the sport exists how do i get involved yeah and just the biggest casting call for letting people know is have a star making headway 
in the mainstream online or whatever. And all of a sudden it's like, oh shit. Okay. Now I know, you know, exactly what happened to you. It sounds simple. People are like, well, you just know, no, people don't just automatically no, you know. You got to find no. it. Yeah, exactly. Then you got to know, like, how do I even compete? Can you compete in this? Where do I like, you know, find the right club and stuff. And yeah, it's like, it's just, you can't just begin. It's like a right. whole process to just like start. Yeah, 100%. And, and um, the easiest way for a region to start blowing up is get at least one big star. Look what's going on in France right now, man. Yeah, dude, there, there's something else, man. <laughs> dude, I don't know what's, what they're eating right over there. It's it's crazy. Yeah, it, it started initially. Um, Pena, Noemi, and, uh, and Leah. And the three of them were together. And Pena was mm. training himself and those other two at the same time. But then it blossomed into once they became stars and those three went, then other people all over, like it took a little bit of time, but fucking look how many French shooters there are now. Not, not even just one team's worth. Like they're all over the place, man. And juniors, the juniors are littered with them and, and, and the men's sides catching up with the women's now. And they have like, so like the best of the best. It's crazy, man. It's just like a few years. You just need to light that fuse and get some stars going. But do you think it's like a genetic thing or do you think it's just because it's so popular right over there right now? I think here's what it is. Any given country you have, you have athletic youth and mm. you are literally campaigning with other sports to take that athletic youth. So mm. they're going to find a sport and they're going to get involved with something. What sports are going to be depends on a lot of factors, but the athletic youth is there. So with France, powerlifting got, got that big boost and we are rocking and rolling. And it was only time powerlifting got huge in the U S and, um, and we got a good, and there's a lot of people in the U S there's like 350 to 65 million people. That's like half of Europe, yeah. you, you know, just in the U S alone. Right. So their talent pool for talent of athletic youth, there's a lot of them. So there, there's that. Yeah. That helps them out as well as powerlifting got lit over there early with like, we're talking mm. Bill Kazmar in the 70s and, and Larry Piscopo yeah. in the 70s. Like, you know, so their campaign to, to take that youth got started early. Whereas other pockets like Sweden, France, you know, they, they people weren't thinking initially weightlifting. You know, no. uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger even was like, if I was going to make it with weightlifting and bodybuilding, I had to get over to the U.S. So they yeah. had a leg up on, they had a leg up with the amount of people they could draw from and weightlifting was part of the culture. Gyms were all over the place in the U.S. So if you just tell people, hey guys in the gym, there's a sport for you. You're going to find some people raise their hand. There, I mean, 15, 20 years ago, there wasn't nearly as many gyms around Europe. It just wasn't as big. Weightlifting wasn't as big. Um, but there's, look at, there's a lot of people in Europe, you know, countries are smaller and there's more of them, but together you're still twice the size of the U S so euros period population wise. So euros period in significance can catch up. It just doesn't matter of these stars need to start flying those flags and letting people know, come on over and check come on over to our, to our pool. It's warm. Mm. Hop in. Let's play. Let's <laughs> flash around a little bit. It's good. You know? 
it takes a minute. And that's really what's happening in France is uh, it's exciting, man. To see a nation yeah, rise like that. Yeah, it's like it, it's gone so fast as well. I mean, it's it's amazing to see. I mean, because every other class you see, like yours or worlds, you all you, you will always hear the French national anthem. One hundred percent. It's crazy. It's it's crazy. You, you when I was doing jun- junior worlds, um, like obviously in the open worlds, like everybody knows, like you're already a star, right? But when you go to yeah. junior worlds, sometimes you're like, well, who's the favorite? Who's who's the favorite for the one, two, three? You have to do your mm-hmm. research. And it was like, to your point, every time, if you saw Team France in the lineup, you're like, oh, fuck, they're probably going <laughs> yeah. to be somewhere yeah. in there. They're fighting for the podium. They're going to be somewhere in there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Sweden's got some shooters too. Yeah. Look what Emil just did at the Swedish Nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you guys obviously got Eddie Berglund who moved up to 74, Alexander mm-hmm. Eriksson, who's in the 74. Your class in Sweden, just in Sweden alone, is pretty stacked. Is it yeah. daunting knowing because these guys have won world championships? Mm-hmm. Is it daunting knowing? Holy smokes, I'm in, I'm right in there in the Lions Den. Uh, I mean, yeah, of course you feel the pressure, but I mean, to me, it's just another opportunity for me to show that you know I'm the shit. They won't beat me, you know. I will always like be at the upper hand. But I mean, yeah, it's 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 cool to have like those legends, you know. Because um, you got Gustav actually, Hedlund, you, there's so many actually at this point. Yeah, dude, Gustav's like, oh, he's a beast. Did you see his dude? Didn't he like total like a world record at he, the the Open? He did 880. Um, I'm trying to think what the world record is because I know other people though have like like Gavin and Keiko have done more not at Worlds as well. So when you talk uh, about okay, yeah. So when you like unofficially, there's been it's different mm-hmm. when you try to do a Worlds. But to yeah. your point, anyways. He's right up there. Like on any given day, you know, uh, we'll see what happens at Sheffield because there's so Dude, Sheffield's going to be crazy. It's going to be so <laughs> fucking crazy. I'm so hyped for you, Sheffield. Oh, it's, it's, uh, the closer we get, the harder it is for me to like, I don't know how I'm going to sleep, man. I'm already, <laughs> I'm going down to commentate the American nationals. And, yeah. um, and uh, like, I'm, I'm sure when I'm there, I'm going to be like super in, but I'm, I can't stop thinking about Sheffield and what it's going to be like and like all the head-to-head clashes. The best commentating session, the best sessions I've ever seen at World Championships in my life. And I've been doing this for uh, seven years. Like every single, every single session I've done for seven years at the World Championships. And the best I've ever seen was this last world, 76s, 93s. It was the same session. Yeah. And they're redoing these plus more at Sheffield. Mm. And I'm like, this is going to be, you. they chose right. They knew what they were doing. They're like, you know. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. I, I don't know how many times I've seen that uh, White Lights Media recap from the 93s. It's it's like a fucking Rocky movie. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, um, and everybody's got their storyline, right? And you got guys like, uh, like Heiko, wants to write this wrong. Keiko had beaten them all one to uh, head up. Keiko's beaten mm-hmm. them all in battles. And then they all ganged up on him and beat him at worlds. Like yeah. head up, Keiko and and um Gavin both did 880. Keiko did 880.5 or something at USAPL mm-hmm. Nationals. And Keiko mm-hmm. beat him in a head-to-head battle that was amazing. Then Keiko yeah. goes to Worlds and goes head up and battles Gustav. 
and and beat him just it came down to the very last deadlift and gustav had the winning deadlift right up to his knees maybe even a little past mm. and it was an yeah. amazing battle and kaiko won it and then head up kaiko beat chance mitchell in a head-to-head battle american nationals and it was like right down to the last step blah 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 and then at the world championships all of his nemesis just like a good movie just like a good superhero movie all of them ganged up on him and then it yeah. was no longer head up head to head it was fucking everybody's coming at me everyone's coming for the champ free for all it was a free for all and um when that scenario happens and they're all world class a guy like Krastev can can sneak into silver because it's like Keiko's pulling for gold not for silver you know what i mean yeah. like it's this that's when if things get interesting that's when it's like the one, two, three is hard to call. And Keiko doesn't have to, he can't just worry about Gavin or just worry about Gustav or just worry about chance. Like previously, he's got like four or five guys coming at him. You, yeah. You're looking at, you're like, you're, what are we pulling for? I mean, just load up. I don't know. You're not pulling last so load up, whatever you think you have to load. Like, it's just, you know what I mean? It's, it's crazy. And, yeah. um, SPD saw that, saw the melee, saw the chaos, saw the drama. I was like, Oh, let's fucking redo that one one more time, huh? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like, oh hell yeah, <laughs> oh hell yeah. Oh, uh, that would be, that would be a great class to watch. Who, who, who are you cheering for, dude? I don't know. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm Team Flex, but I'm a sweet as well. So it's the same thing with Mikey and Emil, you know. But yeah, uh, I mean, I'll be happy. If, like, I wish Gustav was that. Wins. You couldn't, they couldn't get Gustav in Sheffield, but it would have been, they already got 593s. Yeah. It's just oh, too wait, bad. Isn't Gustav doing, uh, isn't Gustav doing, uh, he'll be at Worlds, he'll meet them at Worlds, but he won't meet them uh, at Sheffield. I thought it was doing in Sheffield. Oh, dog. That's what oh, so mean. it's only, it's it's only Emil and Eddie? It's Emil. You probably got to mix up with Emil. So it's Emil. Ah, yeah. oh, okay. It's Emil, Eddie. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's just Emil, Eddie. Um, yeah, but so Gustav, too. but Gustav's going to face like a lot of these guys all over again at worlds mm. too, though. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. A few months later, like, you know, and then mm. let's see what happened to worlds. And then we have another Sheffield the following year and it's going to keep happening. Uh, so that's why when I reposted that, uh, I was like his 880 that Gustav just did was like a message to everybody at Sheffield. Mm. I didn't get invited this time, but you know, who's waiting for you in Malta, huh? <laughs> you know, like like yeah i'll see you soon i'll see you real soon right it ain't over um but what are you thinking about your boy emil norland's got michael davis who's a flex yeah. fam but emil mm. swedish emil looked amazing eight nine twenty eight point five i believe if i'm not mistaken yeah and i think he commented on your repost that he wasn't like even in like great shape that he, he said, would be like in even better shape so I mean, he said, yeah, that's what he said. But listen, those lifts, those third attempts were all the dead end last. Like there was yeah, no more yeah, in them. Yeah. No doubt there. However, his point wasn't so much I had more of me, but more like I got six more weeks to improve upon, mm. which I don't know how much you could improve upon, but the world record for anyone listening is uh, 937, I think 0.5 or 937 right on the money around there. So mm. he's within 10 kilos of the world record. So it's not, who knows? I don't know, man. I don't got to tell you, you threw 40 some odd kilos real quick. So I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not doubting nobody who knows the right inspiration. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know who to share on, on Sheffield. Honestly, it's like, uh, team flex or team Sweden. I mean, 
I, I'm probably going to be glad for whoever wins. That's probably the safe political way of playing it, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just, yeah, exactly. Um, and I guess, will you be there live? Uh, no, I won't be able to go, unfortunately. But I will be, I will be watching the streams. Because, um, yeah, it looks amazing in terms of uh, the whole stadium. They got picked out and everything. Like it's Yeah, I saw that like yesterday. It looks crazy. Looks like an orchestra would play on that stage. Yeah. Man. I'm almost sheepish to be there. <laughs> it's almost like I shouldn't even be here. This is this is too like, high class. Suit to this, or yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm super duper hyped for it. it. And it's it's good seeing events this big for like the world championships. Okay, for yourself moving forward, what are your plans? I want to I want to get this out there because I don't want to forget you. You were in the open for the Swedish nationals. Yeah, you're still a junior of those here, right? Yes. So which way do you want to go with this? Because you won junior worlds. Mm -hmm. That's yours. That's on your resume. Yeah. You throw on, you're already at the, like, like there's Taylor Atwood exists, but, but I don't know how many more kilos can you throw on by Malta? What are we talking about here? You know, or do you want to go head to head with the goat? Do you want to, do you want to rumble with the goat while he's still here? What if, Uh, what if if he's not even here in two years and you miss your opportunity? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if I'm being completely honest, like right now, I'm a bit too far off from Taylor. I mean, he's got yeah, like, yeah. he's he's probably going to do like 8, 8.30 or something or at Sheffield. Uh, but that's definitely a goal of mine to like, perhaps when one day reach his level and maybe beat him. Um, but the plans for this year is, um, I, I actually did the Open Nationals in order to uh, qualify for Malta. So... Praise God. Hopefully I get sent to Malta now. Uh, and I also want to try to retain my title as a junior world champion. Nice. So I'm going to try to do both. But we'll see. But the, the open worlds is like a big priority prioritization for me. Because you can't, this is why I've found in life, I mean, you can't take enough of a granted. If you can go, go. Because yeah. you don't know, like, especially in powerlifting. I remember at one point, Daniela Mello was the premier 84 2017 mm. worlds. I remember I was commentating and when she won it, I was like, there's, this is the Daniela Mello era and nobody's going to unseat this young lady. She was like 20 years old. And I'm like, and she like destroyed the other girls. And like, she just, mm. she was 20 years old barely out of the sub juniors and just murdered the open and it wasn't even close. And you're thinking this is the future. Like, like good, this yeah. is a generational athlete and we're going to wait another 10 years, another generation before somebody comes around. Literally two years later, Amanda Lawrence arrives. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it becomes like, you know, the, it, now look yeah. at what Amanda Lawrence is doing. Yeah. You, you never know who's going to show up. It's it's opportunities. So so to my point, when I'm like rumbling with the goat, um, Taylor Atwood, it's not even like like you're gonna push him where he's like, oh my god, I'm gonna lose to you. But it's more like if you have an opportunity to get in the ring with Muhammad Ali when he's still boxing, hop in there, huh? Get the you know what I mean? Like you get exactly you. you, It's a no brainer. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because for to the point of like Taylor in two years' time could be like, you know, I'm all good. We've done everything. Maybe he he takes an injury. He's weighing things, and he's like, 
he wins another world. He wins Sheffield. He wins this, that, and the other. And he's like, yeah, I think we're good. And then that would have been it. You're like, fuck me. I mm-hmm. missed Taylor. I yeah. fucking missed him. I should have went to Malta. You know, like I wasn't going to beat him, but just to be, be like, yeah, I competed with Taylor. I remember that. And you have that story. You know, it means exactly. Something, it means something. It does. Um, yeah, you'd 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 regret it. I'm glad you're going to. And there's nothing quite like like Junior Worlds is big. It's a world championship. People from all over the world are there. Uh, when you go to Open Worlds, there's there's nothing quite like it, man. <laughs> I could. I mean, yeah, I, I could imagine. I mean, you should have heard me behind the the platform when I was like warming up. Or no, in, in between uh, events uh, at the, the Open Nationals, the only thing I was like screaming in my head was like, I'm going to Malta. I'm going to fucking Malta. I got to go to fucking Malta. In before every like last tent, it's like Malta, Malta, Malta. I got to do fucking Malta. So, it's... Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a big thing for me. I mean, it's, it's not a lot of juniors who get to compete at that level, especially not like competing for medals as well. So yeah, it, it means a lot to if I get sent to that. And you're a part of history because like we all remember like going down the line in history, the the biggest battles that have happened, like from Hack versus Gibbs to like whatever, mm. Ray Williams to well, all of it, man. And all of a sudden, like, holy fuck, I'm in there. And like you start seeing people walk around from around the world, like, oh my God, that's Jessica Bittner. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, 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 holy shit, that's Leah Babla. Like it starts becoming like like people from like New Zealand are walking around like holy shit this is the wildest it's um it's different it's like you see your whole instagram instagram uh, posts but in real <laughs> that's life right. it's like yeah. what the fuck is this even real instagram, life instagram became real yeah, for, for, exactly. for, for, for a week it's the vibes too man that's why i can't sleep when i'm there man when i'm at a world championships that's it i lay in bed and i'm like i can't i just stare at the ceiling i'm gonna say i'm not gonna sleep <laughs> but um and it might alleviate some pressure too if you go in there with Taylor there. He's gonna handle all the pressure. It's like it's not like like you're battling to to win the worlds. you you can enjoy it a little more if you're like, look, I'm gonna battle these other guys, but Taylor's the one who's everyone's there for the Taylor Atwood show. Cool. You take that, yeah. brother. You you handle that. There's something about being the underdog, being like, let me, let me this this year, anyways. Look, in two years, three years, all right, but you'll be yeah. ready then. But you'll be ready. This year, you you show up and be like, all right, let me just take it in. Let me enjoy myself. Let me let me meet mm. people. Let me be a fan and an athlete at the same time. Yeah. But I'm probably, I'm, I mean, I'm going there to like fight for the silver medal as well. It's like. You will have a that's fight. That's the only you, thing. You're going to have a fight. It, it, it's going to be interesting. Um, so at Swedish Nationals, is it possible for them to send 274s? Like who else showed up in terms of that might be making the team, do you think? Uh, so Eddie was supposed to compete uh, at the Open Nationals, but I think he had like some type of injury with his thigh or something in before, and he wants to save himself for Sheffield. Uh, and Alex was supposed to go as well, but he had something with his uh, abductor, I think. Uh, but yeah, if those guys would have gotten in, like gone to Open Nationals, then that would that would would have been like an amazing battle. But yeah, I, I think they get to send uh, two people per weight class in the Swedish national team. So my goal with uh, this nationals was just like, yeah, take one of their spots. And I mean, I'm 15 kilos above Eddie right now. And I'm, yeah, I think Alex has done 729 something. So yeah, I'm a bit over him as well. But 
Yeah. So I hope they send me, but we'll see. Gotcha. So I was going to ask, like, every nation's a little different in how they've structured their teams. Like, do they take priority to who won the nationals in highest total? Like, cause you have the highest total and you won nationals, but mm. that Sheffield kind of changes some things for yeah. where some nations, obviously U S considers it. Now the U S is like, if you win nationals and hit this qualifying total, you're before mm. the people at Sheffield, mm. which isn't necessarily popular amongst the powerlifters. It depends. People are split on mm. this. So yeah. Sweden, how are they kind of doing that? I think it's based on like who has the highest total and where did it do this t- total? So it's not like, oh, I did like a small meet uh, in my hometown and hit like 754. It's got to be like, you have to show that you can uh, perform at a high level, which all of us three have showed. Like all of us have done uh, national, uh, international championships. I mean, Eddie's a multi-time world champion. Alex is, has won worlds as well. And I mean, they're both like extremely talented guys. Uh, so I think right now it comes down to who has to like the highest totals. Yeah. You got three guys who have won world titles, won national yeah. titles and are like, I mean, your resumes are stacked. It's going to be, it's pretty cool that Sweden's got these kind of options. Yeah, it's really cool. And it's it's fun to have that type of competition as well. I mean, it, it drives us forward, right? Because, I mean, if I would have been the only one, maybe I wouldn't have, like, uh, gotten to that level to where I am right now. Because, I mean, they're great motivators, you know? I mean, those were, like, guys I looked up to when I started powerlifting the guys who I still look up to because I mean they've like achieved great things. Uh, and it's it's a really cool and humbling feeling to know that I mean I'm up there by them right now. It's, it's a cool <laughs> feeling. Dude, wait until you're in the warm up room and you look over and fucking Taylor Atwood's warming up beside you. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I can't even imagine that. It's like it feels so surreal. I mean, I can't really like comprehend it right now. It's like, is Taylor Atwood in the same room as me? No, nah, I'm going to be dreaming. And, and you know what's even crazier? If he's like mean mugging you. I wouldn't be even be honor. like upset. I wouldn't be like, yeah, exactly. Like, oh my God. <laughs> You'd be like, this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor Atwood just mean mugged me. This is amazing. <laughs> exactly. You're like, I hope he I hope he fires shots at me at the next KOTL podcast. That would be amazing. <laughs> You're like, okay, right? Dude, if he just recognizes me, that would be an honor. Yeah, it's uh it will well, he will. I mean he commented on your post. You're on his Yeah, radar. dude. I I lost my shit when I saw that I was like holy shit. He knows how he knows who I am. <laughs> yeah, it's um yeah, it'll be 2023 is gonna be wild. What are some of your Overall, like in 10 years time, what do you see yourself? What do you see yourself having accomplished? Obviously, I want to, I mean, that's something I tell myself each day. I I want to become an open world champion and I want to become a multi-time world champion. I mean, I want to reach the levels that Taylor has reached. Um, Yeah, I want to be the best, period. Are these part of your daily affirmations that you... Like, what uh, yes. are some of the daily affirmations you do? Um, I tell myself that, like, I want to become the best in powerlifting, regardless of weight class or age or anything. I just want to be, I want to be the best. 
uh, I, I tell myself that I want to have a great career outside of outside of powerlifting, um, and that I want to be able to contribute back to humanity in some type of way. And I think my way has been maybe uh, talking about mental illness uh, amongst guys and tr- and try to show that like it's it's not a weird topic to talk about. It's like almost everyone goes through this in some type of way. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's just giving back to humanity, uh, having a great career, becoming the best, becoming the best version of myself. Um, yeah, that's basically it. Everybody has gone through a depression. Yeah. If you haven't yet, you're just not old enough yet. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't hit you yet. God it will bless. happen. It will. Oh, 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 life's going to come. You're going to lose yeah. a loved one. You're going to, it's, it, something's going to come that'll fucking flip your world upside down. So that's why like talking about this is, uh, Every single person listening to this knows exactly what you're talking about. They just might not say it, or um, they haven't been hit by life with some tough stuff yet. It's coming. It is what it yeah. is. That's why, like, um, how do you see yourself maybe? Well, first off, I don't got to tell you, but um, the more the more you do athletically, the more those kind of doors open up, where you start mm. being able to talk to people. Pete, you're on podcasts right now. Thousands of yeah. people around the world are going to hear this. Um, and mm. just doing that is is huge. And you can continue, continue doing more podcasts throughout. But also other doors will open up when you start becoming a you know, multiple-time world champion, et cetera. And all of a sudden, you could, if you wanted to, start going out and doing public speaking and talks. And um, I don't know if you have, like, do you have aspirations for that? Like in the future? Yeah, I do. Yeah? I do. And that's uh, actually in the works right now. Holy shit, dog. Okay, well, what can you speak on it or or like lose? I mean, it, it's nothing official, but I'm starting to like write the uh, right stuff to do like like public speaks, and yeah. uh, I'm aiming to start uh, doing that at my old uh, high school actually. Fuck, that's um, so that's a goal of mine this year to being able to go back there where like I felt like the worst. And being able to talk about how I got through it, well, and not, and not uh, only like for like, it's sort of a, a healing process for me, showing that I mean I can go back and speak about it and show that I mean I've gotten better, and also inspiring people at the same time. There's um, so I've done like uh, motivational speeches at like uh, you know different schools. Ironically, never my high mm. school, but um. Mm. I've I, it's 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 super freaking rewarding. It's nerve wracking beforehand, but once you start getting yeah. your groove, once you get in it, a couple words of advice, and then I got a question for you. But a couple words of mm-hmm. advice. Um, I myself brought video footage, so I'd talk and I'd cut to a couple stories video wise, mm-hmm. and they could see. So, it, and it it definitely helps. You could tell them about the world okay. championships and whatnot, and then when you yeah. cut to the big screen and it shows mm-hmm. the winning deadlift, it shows. It helps. And then you show mm-hmm. pictures of, let me show you what I look like. You, you mm-hmm. say it, but you go, let me show you. And then you're like, see that guy there, that guy. And then you start saying the story. It's very impactful when you talk yeah. like that. And then it's you more can tangible. be like, it's, it's more tangible, my friend. So you use these aids 
um, when you tell your story and then you show certain footages and be like, mm. before this happened here, let me tell you before, like when I would, I, I showed the clip of Canada's Got Talent, the first one around, like before that happened, let me tell you what happened backstage. Let me tell you what it felt like. Cause you see what that guy appears on stage. Let me tell you what he's actually thinking. And then like you, you get into mm. these things, right? And it's very impactful when you use these aids. One, two, don't write a script, write notes. Cause if you okay. fumble the bag on the script, um, and you start losing which line you're on and you think you're going to memorize it. It'll fuck you up. You'll get anxious in whatever. Just know it's your story, dog. You can't mm. fuck it up. It's your story. You've told it a million times, so you can't possibly fumble it. So have points you want to hit. I'm going to do these top five points to this story I'm telling. It doesn't matter how you tell it. It's like a story mm. you've told a hundred times all over you don't need to get the exact wording. Just hit the points of the story and you're good. Sometimes when I was on tour, I went to tour of, of high schools as well as cancer camp for kids. And I would just, I would elaborate on certain parts of the story, be quicker on other ones and elaborate on different sections, depending on just how I felt, whatever. But it's just the stories remains the same. And the point of it remains the same. It keeps it fluid and you can never actually fumble it that way. If you actually miss a line, if you're trying to go line for line, that's when anxiety hits you. Like, Fuck what line. Okay. And um, and that's a huge, huge thing when it comes to speech writing. It doesn't matter the line. It matters more the story. So just have your main points you want in the story and get to it. And uh, how you're saying it doesn't really matter, man. You can repeat yourself. I'll, I'll take that to heart, man. Here's another one. Don't be afraid of a pause. There's nothing quite like me telling you, I stepped on that stage and I looked into the crowd and that's when I saw that kid that I recognized from that camp. Now, did you see how many pauses yeah. I put in that fucking sentence? Or do I just <laughs> yeah. say that sentence like I would normally say it? Don't be afraid of a pause. And if you pause and you're searching for your words because it, you don't have your words written out, don't ask fucking how long have I been pausing? It doesn't, they're mm. with you. It, it's fucking better that way. You can live in a pause. Pause, think, articulate, find the words you want. There's nothing more meaningful than when you're getting into a, a beautiful place of expressing yourself and you're looking for the words. It's a beautiful thing to see somebody who didn't write it. They're actually coming up with the words right there in front of you. Mm. And you feel it. And they're looking for the fucking right word. And you fucking feel like, man, I'm telling you. And you're looking for that word. It's it's impact, dude. You don't want it to come off super rehearsed. Don't be afraid oh, of a pause. True. Don't be afraid of a pause. Be organic. And just be in the moment, man. You're talking to people. It's not a presentation. You're just mm. going to fucking talk to some kids. You know? It's a Thanks, conversation. Thank now, you. Here's, <laughs> no worries. Now, here's a tough question. I wanted to ask you, having said all that, you're mm -hmm. having a conversation with these kids. Mm. Let's say you could talk to your 15-year-old self. What would you tell that kid now? If he's in the crowd listening to you, or if he comes up to you after that presentation wants to talk to you, would you tell that kid, knowing what he's going through and what you know now? Yeah, that's... Uh... That's a deep question. I tell him that everything's going to be all right. That everything that is going through right now is temporary. 
that this won't it won't be like this uh, the rest of his life and that he will become stronger from this and that what he's going through right now happens for a reason and that God has intended for him to become even stronger than he, than he is right now and that's why he's going through this well said man you know what I think you're gonna be all right <laughs> you're gonna be all right Thank young you. man yeah yeah listen <clears throat> I'm glad you came on the podcast and um First off, obviously, good luck with all your pursuits, man. You got a phenomenal story and you're a good talker and you're going to do you. well. You're going to do well in your public speaking and the whole nine. Speak it from the heart, man, exactly what you just did and, and tell your mm. story and you'll do well. And if you want to hit me up in the DMs um, and just get ideas or like a few, whatever, week before, you're like, fuck, I've done it before and I'll, 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 I'll Joey flex you with a voice message. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that, that that really means a lot to me. I, I literally would. I will if you hit me up Thank day you. before day of, and you're like, "Fuck, man, I'm kind of freaking out." I will fucking, mm. I will give you a ring, and I'll tell you what you need to hear because I felt it, and um, yeah. it's totally normal. It's just like a powerlifting meet. The anxiety comes, but you know it's just because it means something, and uh, mm. I'll put you in the proper perspective of uh, it's not a presentation, brother. You're not selling something, just talking. Just talking, man. They're gonna love you no matter yeah, what. That's true. They're gonna love you no matter. You already won. You already know how the story ends. You're telling the story. You are you you won. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so you know it's a good one. <laughs> it's all about structure. Yeah, yeah. It's all about structure. Um, you know. So, anyways, I, we could talk about all this afterwards or whatever. You want to hit me up about mm. like speech writing, whatever, I'll help you out. But listen, man, um, I appreciate you. Everyone listening. Um, first off, is there anybody you want to thank if you have sponsors or whatever? Second off, how do they get a hold of you and follow you on social media to follow your journey? Uh, okay. So first off, I want to thank, I mean, first of all, Joey for being a great coach, a great mentor. Um, I want to thank my friends who's close to me, who meets me every day, who makes my life better, makes me a better person. Um, I wouldn't be there like where I'm at right now without them. So a big shout out to Daniela. Um, she's been a very big impact on my life. Um, and I want to thank my managers as well, who's made like this last couple of months, like as great as they have been. So a big shout out to Scandinavian talent management and uh, Latitude 65. And what was the other question? I forgot. Um, <laughs> if people want to want to uh, follow you for your journey, because I a lot of times, you know, people hear the podcast and like, well, now I got to yeah. know how the story ends. Now I got to yeah. see how this goes. <laughs> they want to see. Yeah. So they can follow me on Instagram and TikTok. And my name there is deadlift.miyagi. So it's M-I-Y-A-G-I. There it is, yeah, man. Deadlift. All right, man. Listen, hopefully I see you in Malta. And um, we'll catch you up, but dude, I'd love to have you back. But, yeah, we'll, definitely. We'll, definitely. It, 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 yeah, shoot me lines in the DMs whenever you want, man. Keep in touch, and uh, and we'll talk. And uh, everybody listening, as per usual, on whatever platform you're listening on, please do subscribe. Give us high ratings. Um, post it up in your Instagram stories. Tag me, and I will repost it. And uh, and that's it. It, we, we we crushed the good one, my friend. We'll talk again soon. <laughs> six pack lap at six up, and we are out.